no, we, we have to commit to this. Brett, you can't watch any coverage of the game. You can't look up the score. Nothing. And you have to come in and tell us what you think happened. And welcome to this week's episode of Three Idiots and a Lawyer, the podcast with the name that doesn't make any sense due to multiple personnel changes. The Syracuse football team played a game against Clemson this weekend, and Brett did not watch it. Brett does not know what happened. The rest of us do. So I'm curious. I would like to know, Brett, what do you think happened? So I took some notes while I wasn't watching the game uh, on what was going on. And to be absolutely clear, I could have been listening to this game on the radio like I did the Pittsburgh game, but we decided to do this little experiment anyway. So I'm, I'm going to go run down. I had guessed 63 to 7. So I can't back away from that now. So I'm going to stick with my 63 to 7. Trevor Lawrence went 11 for 14 for 208 yards and two touchdowns. Two Clemson running backs exceeded 130 yards. And the entire Clemson team had over 400 yards rushing. And Etienne was not the leading rusher for Clemson. I think that their second back, whose name I cannot remember right now, actually had more yards because Etienne was just too good and there was no reason to put him in there when you needed to. Culpepper went 11 for 27 for 130 yards. Sean Tucker got 68 yards on the ground. The defense did get one turnover but couldn't really do much for it, and Taj Harris is probably the best offensive player for receptions for 54 yards. I think that based on the stat line, I think it's clear the narrative that I, I see here playing out Lawrence was good, but he didn't really have to be. So they just kept handing the ball off and kept running over Syracuse. You just said a lot of stuff. That was a lot of wrong. A lot of wrong, and I'm glad that you're wrong. Before we say anything else, Brett, I have three questions for you. Who do you think won the turnover battle? Syracuse, because I think Syracuse got a turnover, and I don't know that they really had the ball long enough to give it up. You've pretty much already answered this, what you think the answer is, but who had more rushing yards? Clemson. And who had more yards per play? Clemson. So anybody else have any more questions before we reveal what happened? So you're sticking with your original prediction, so you don't think we covered? I did not get any more information than I had last week when I made my 63-7 to 7 prediction. So even though I could come here and kind of, oh, well, actually, what I really meant was it was going to be close. No, I said 63 okay. to 7. I'm sticking with 63 so you're to 7. you sticking with we didn't cover. And, Brett, what was the score at halftime? Score at halftime, I'm going to give 30 zip. Does it change your, your calculation at all when I say that Syracuse had more rushing yards? I'm going to say it's 2020 and I quit. Well, and I quit. What, what, I'm done. Right. I'm done. It's, 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 it's October. That makes no sense. <laughs> All right, Brett. All right. A few things. First, uh, what was it you said about Taj Harris? I said he was the Syracuse's best offensive player. Taj Harris did not travel with the team this week. <laughs> uh <laughs> Travis Travis Etienne was in fact Clemson's leading rusher, and that was with 86 yards. Uh, he got injured during the game and missed a bunch of time, but even when he was in, we were doing a pretty good job of limiting him to short runs. At halftime, the score was 27 to 14. And we we were looking okay. Rex had a, a deep ball that looked pretty good that he connected on. I think that was our score in the third quarter. 
I'll give you the final score. 47-21. We didn't score in the first quarter. We put up 14 in the second, 7 in the third. Clemson scored 17-10, 7, and 13. But we were in it. Even coming out of halftime, we were in it. Yeah, absolutely. Five minutes left in the third quarter. We were down six points and driving. And then we got sacked and turned it over for a touchdown. And then the wheels came off. Sean Tucker played really well, uh, but he also got injured. He got rolled up on, and it didn't look great. But he walked off under his own power. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play next weekend. But Sean Tucker had 63 rushing yards in the first half. So if he were able to finish the game healthy, I believe that my prediction of Sean Tucker rushing for 100 yards would have been spot on. How many yards did he have total? He finished with 63, and it was all in the first half. I had 68, so I was close on on, on something. And what what was Cole Pepper's line? Uh, ten of twenty six for one TD, uh, one hundred seventy five yards, one touchdown, three picks though. Okay, I had him. He was ten for twenty six. I had him eleven for twenty seven. So I was pretty close on that one too. Yeah, yeah. Four turnovers. Not all necessarily his fault, but th- at least three of them were. Trevor Lawrence didn't look amazing, and they kind of needed him to be amazing, and he was just okay. Uh, which was the secondary for us was incredible. And yeah. it wasn't just Melifonwu. Everyone knows that Melifonwu is good. So they pick on the other side of the field. Yesterday, that was Gerald Williams, who played incredibly well. He was probably the most impressive player in, in the game for us. He had a pick. He had two picks. two picks. And he had a great pass defend defended where yeah. the receiver beat him, went up for the ball, Caught it, and as they were both falling, Williams stuck his hand in and pulled the ball out. It would have been like a seventy-yard gain if he hadn't done that. Um, really, really good all around. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it sounds like Clemson won the turnover battle. Uh, big, big time, big yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. by a large margin. You were wrong on all three that I asked you. So we actually had more yards per play. We actually had more rushing yards, and Clemson won the turnover battle. So I would like to say this is quintessential Dino and really Syracuse football when you think about it, where if they would have played like this against any of their other losses, they are probably either winning the game or it's not a a disgrace to the sport. I have have Um, one more question for Brett. How many times was Culpepper sacked? Well, that's a good question. I would say four. He, He gets the ball out a little bit more. Twice. Okay. Incredible. None of it it makes sense. And I think what I said, what I said last time we were recording was, I don't know why and I don't know how, but the first half of the game is going to be incredibly watchable. Yep. And and again, it none of it made sense. Players who have been poor played really well. Cole Pepper made some big throws when he had to, but when he looked bad, his throws were bad. When he looked good, he looked good. It was just very hot and cold. I have a few questions now because I want to understand exactly what transpired on Saturday. Sure. What was it other than just 2020 being stupid that had this team, it was missing its best offensive player in Taj Harris who can't keep his fingers where they belong. It was missing its best defensive player in Andre Sisco who got run over by a no-name defensive back in warm-ups a few weeks ago. Why... Can this team, all of a sudden, when they play one of the best programs in the country, show up and look like they belong right after getting run over by Liberty? 
So I don't know if one of you has your phone on you. I don't have mine on me, but I said something when we texted each other during this game along the lines of like, Syracuse always, always, for as long as I live, plays up to their opponents and down to their opponents. And this is the typical example of that. We can lose to Liberty and we can take... This game was competitive going into the uh, fumble in like the very end of the third quarter. I literally thought that we could have taken the lead on that drive. And then a crippling turnover, which I believe came about two minutes after Mr. Uh, O'Keefe over there sent a text saying that we like had a chance or something along those lines. No, 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 no. We're going to play that. What are you doing, man? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. All right. No, 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 no. It's official. This loss, like, I want the NCAA record books reflect because we all know that those things are screwed up anyway. That this loss is not Dino's. It's Kevin's. All right. Kevin O'Keefe so, is 0 for 1 yeah. as a college football fan. So what I said was seeing this game makes me think that Syracuse haven't taken this season seriously until now. And I stand by that because, I mean, like even if you do get up for Clemson and you, there's something that Dino knows about Dabo in the coaching world, there's nothing that makes up for us losing too badly to a Duke and to a Liberty and then playing like that against Clemson. There's absolutely no reason. There's, there's something to be said for coaching, and there's a, a positive yeah. spin and a negative spin. The negative spin is, oh, well, they didn't prepare for the other games, but they decided to take this one seriously, and they got the players ready. The positive spin is they finally made the right adjustment. They figured out why the run defense was so bad, and they made an adjustment. And so hopefully it's the latter. Hopefully it's just, it took a few weeks to figure out what the adjustment was to actually be able to stop the run. But we slowed down the most potent offense we're going to play all year. Like you said, after getting mowed down by some mediocre teams. What were those adjustments and can they carry through next week to wait? What the main thing I noticed wasn't necessarily a schematic adjustment, but the tackling was better. The Offensive ball carrier was going down on first contact against us a lot more than before. People were wrapping up and actually bringing the guy down. Tackling, much improved. The tempo on offense was much slower than what we've seen. But strategically picked up randomly. Like, they would snap the ball quick. We were talking about no huddle before. We didn't run a ton of no huddle. And what I mentioned in the text chain was we played them like we were an equal Right. So there were a bunch of times on fourth and one when the commentators were just like going apeshit because we were punting and we kept making the smart punt and we stopped them on a lot of those Mm -hmm. drives. So we we gave some confidence to the defense. But what I was going to say is the main reason that we had more yards per play than they did is because we didn't run a whole lot of plays. We ran something in, in the realm of 58 plays to their 84. And out of our 58 plays, we had. 325 total yards of offense. They had 455 yards of total offense. Well, we were on the field almost equal amount of time. I think it was 30, 31 minutes to 28 minutes. So it was a pretty even time on the field. So our defense was getting gassed like it usually does. To Kevin's point about the tempo change, what I liked was that for the most part, they slowed things down. A couple of times they slowed it down too much and got unnecessary delay of game calls because they couldn't line up in time after they burned the play clock. But at one point, we were running slow, slow using the whole play clock. And then all of a sudden, the entire offense ran to the line of scrimmage and snapped the ball. And that's when they connected on like a 60-yard touchdown to Nikeem Johnson. And I like that strategy. It seemed yeah. like the offense was able to stay more organized 
and use more clock, which then spares the defense from getting too gas. Um, yeah. I think maybe this isn't a total identity change going forward, but it's definitely something that this team benefits from this year is slowing things down for the most part. But I think it also mirrors the trend in football in general, which is the high tempo offense came in, was very, very popular, and then people started to figure it out. And it's now kind of going on the downward trend. And I think that this is the way to handle it is it should be something like the Wildcat. Well, you throw it in every once in a while, maybe a little bit more than the Wildcat. Um, but you throw it in every once in a while to kind of keep, you know, defenses on their toes. But it can't be your entire offensive identity because it's not—it's just not sustainable in today's game. I believe. I don't like that we're uh, kind of back to being in a moral victory state of mind. But it is what it is. That's kind of where we are. And it was nice to see the team play something that looked like football. We played better in Clemson this year than we did last year. If this team played like this in every other game this year we'd probably have two losses. Mm -hmm. So knowing that part of Syracuse's identity is playing up to opponents and down or well beneath opponents, looking at the Wake Forest game, are the moral victories we had against Clemson going to carry over? Is that possible? And do we start to see another quarterback or do you roll with Rex? So I was surprised the freshman who did play a little bit uh Jacoby and Morgan played in garbage time which I was surprised that kind of tells you that he's more game ready than Jacob Markowitz mm -hmm. I bet you'll see him kind of like that and maybe as the season progresses if hopefully we can win a game big and get one of the freshman snaps that way but yeah I would I would assume we're going to see more of the freshmen as we go along Mm -hmm. I think Culpepper has done his job admirably, which is take us through the last two games and do it with respect to Kevin's point about a week ago to recruiting and putting a product on the field that's watchable and makes people not cover their eyes and run or, you know, run for the that one out of two games. Well, okay, fine. But from last week to this week, at least we at least put a product on the field that was made people proud you know, to be a fan of Syracuse. And I think that, that Rex is not the reason part. we lost in either no, game. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think he, he, like, that, that ball. he should have gotten rid of that. You got to get out of the pocket. You got, yeah. Oh, when he, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. listen, absolutely. And I don't, he's again, he's, you know, Rex is what he is, which is a placeholder right now, but I think he did his job and now it's time to move on to the freshman and let them see what we can do with the rest of the year. But to your point, Brett, do I think that this is any effect on the next game? No. Not at all. Not with this team. Yeah, we, it's, it's just, just as easily we, yeah. we could get destroyed coming in against the mediocre team again. And we all know mm -hmm. that we've seen that before. You win a yeah. big game or you hold your own against the best team in the country and then you get shellacked by Wake Forest. It's kind of what we do. Uh, I'll be sad if that's what happens, but it tends to be what happens. Yeah. Wake Forest is now 3-2 and two and they just beat Virginia Tech yesterday. And they're always a thorn in our side anyways. Yeah. What are the Wake Forest predictions? Well, I mean, just judging based on this game from yesterday, they had three picks and Tech had over 150 yards more total offense than them. So it looks like they, they cause a lot of turnovers. So you don't turn the ball over. I think Rex gets the ball at least to start. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you could take the job away from him until he loses it. And I don't I don't think he's lost it yet. I mean, like, yeah, you bring bring in the, the freshman uh, strategic point, I, I, I suppose. I, I kind of would have liked to see them get a series or two after the Clemson game was out of hand. But on to Wake Forest, I think that we we do well. I think this this was a moral victory. I think we we move forward with uh, with a little bit of a confidence. I think that we get rid of 
running the no huddle on every every single play. I think we do more of of an as needed basis against what we did against Clemson. So I'll, I'll say we beat Wake Forest twenty one to seventeen. This hurts me to say, but I need to be truthful on that. I have zero faith in this team bouncing back in this game. I think that we are going to come out flat. I think Culpepper will throw two picks in the first quarter and will give up to Morgan by halftime, after halftime. I think we lose this game 31-24. to So I, I would love for this to be a game where we can build off the positive things that we saw in the Clemson game, but it, it just doesn't seem like that's what we do. And that's not normally how it works. I think we will at least see the run defense continue to be solid. And I think Rex will continue to not be good, but not be bad enough to get pulled. And I think we'll just keep seeing a lot of Rex. And I don't think you'll see freshmen until garbage time one way or the other, hopefully because we're winning big, but I really want to say that we're going to win, but it just doesn't, I, I can't, it doesn't feel like that's what's going to happen to me. So I think we come out and we don't play terribly, but I see us, you know, losing this game, like we'll say 23 to 17. I'm inclined to agree with the idea that we're not going to all of a sudden become a good football team after a good showing against Clemson. Um, I think we are going to continue to struggle I'm hoping we get to see a little bit of rookie quarterback play, but I don't think we're going to win this game. I think it's going to be 30 to 14, and it's going to be kind of a a gut punch to realize that we are still not good. There will be bright spots, but there it won't be it won't be good. In our text on Saturday, I, I said to Kevin and Colin, and it's frustrating because that game showed us that we have the pieces and the talent to be decent. And for whatever reason, it's not materializing. And it's frustrating. It's very frustrating because before you could just be like, well, there's lots of injuries and they're freshmen. They're just not good enough to win right now. It's like, well, no, they just showed us that they can play football well enough to win a lot of these games. And they're just not doing it. And that's on the coaching staff. That's on the players. It's on everyone. I just look at how we played Clemson in 2019 and how we played Clemson in 2020. And we by far surpassed our 2019 performance. Uh, yesterday. I, I mean, I don't think any of us were live watching the full game every play because we were at Brett's wedding, but I, I watched the highlights and there was nothing good in that performance. So I don't know if we were getting complacent or uh, Clemson just had our number that year, but this felt more like two and three years ago where we were playing Clemson hot the whole time, energetic offense, you know, making good plays on defense. So, I mean, I, I think that's encouraging, and it shows that we have the pieces, like, like Joe was saying, the pieces to, to at least field a reasonable team and have an expectation that winning is not out of the question each and every week. Since the, the start of the season, I've thought, you know, Wake Forest is one of our more winnable games. They're not knocking people out. I mean, they, they just beat Tech, but but narrowly. So, I, I stick by it. I think, I think, I think we, we run the ball effectively. We... We score, you know, three or four touchdowns. Uh, you know, we, we, we win uh, by, by a couple, four or five points. So after the game, Clemson head coach Dabo Swinney had some thoughts that he shared in his post-game press conference that, Colin, you want to tell us a little more about that? I was shocked when I saw on ESPN that we were actually in the top stories and not for anything good, but we made headlines because of Dabo's post-game quotes 
I'm just going to read off what he said here. So apparently he was getting a lot of questions about how his team's his team's energy, how it may not have been up to snuff. So Dabo said, I just want to make sure that I'm at the right press conference. We did win the game, I think. Let me make sure I'm at the, the right spot. Am I at the right spot? I just want to make sure. I think we won the game. I think we won it. You don't score 47 points if you don't have the right energy. He then went on to say, I'm not getting any questions about, are you proud of your guys for winning the game? It's all about a lot of negative questions. You're not going to get any negative stuff from me. And then he finished by saying, did anybody see anything good out there? There's no perfect coaches. There's no perfect players. But at the end of the day, man, a great win for our guys. These guys have won a lot of ball games, and I thought we dominated right there at the end of the third quarter. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts on what you think about Dabo's comments. I know Kevin has thoughts on Dabo writ large, so I'm very interested to hear this. I think that Dabo has just earned himself an enemy of the podcast designation. Why? I know. I feel like he's giving us more credit. Like he could have come out and been like, yeah, Syracuse sucks and we should have played better and beat them harder. But he didn't. He, I interpret that as he respected us as an opponent and that beating, beating us was enough. I hear the same thing. He didn't want to. I actually appreciate that he didn't want to throw his guys under the bus for what you could say was three quarters of football that's not up to the Clemson standard. In doing so, you're also denigrating the Syracuse football program that's played him relatively competitive when you look at his other ACC opponents. So I, I don't really have any issues with what he said. Sounds like you got a little snippy. I haven't heard the, the clip myself. If you guys give me an opportunity, I'm going to say we should make him a, a, an enemy of the podcast because I hate that guy. Um, yeah, but he hasn't done anything I to, to demonize him at this juncture. Colin, what was what was your interpretation? I don't have Trevor Lawrence's comments here, but apparently this all came out of when they asked him after the game, he questioned his team's effort. He basically said that they were more or less overlooking Syracuse and that they weren't putting in the effort that they need to put through. I mean, this was the first pick six of Trevor Lawrence's college career, I believe. So I could see where Lawrence is coming from. But I'm with you guys. I don't have any issue with Dabo Sweeney. I thought it was very cool of him to come into the Syracuse locker room after the win and uh, talk to the guys when that happened. So yeah, I think that this was him kind of saying that, you know, Syracuse is a good opponent and that we shouldn't be overlooked and that he should be getting more questions about, you know, how did your team play well against a tough ACC conference foe as opposed to like, yeah, you know, you guys ran over them by whatever, 30 points or whatever it was. I want to make one thing very clear, that one of the better things about Dabo Sweeney is he is a PR genius. He knows how to make people like him. Like, in the weeks heading into a national championship game, he gets out there, he's doing all the radio hits, and he's not like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, where you just kind of want to punch him. He makes himself seem likable. So when he's out there fielding these questions, yeah, he doesn't want to rip Syracuse. He doesn't want to rip his own guys. But I bet you that in the locker room at halftime and in practice the next week, he's going to be saying things that will make the, the paint come off the walls. Like there's, oh, well, sure. there's no question that he thinks that this team, that his team played bad and that they should have prepared better. And he probably agrees with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to worry about that PR stuff, but Dabo does. I think that Dabo actually genuinely likes Dino and he doesn't want to to rip him. And he really doesn't benefit anything by saying that to the press. Now, do I think that the reporters should not be asking questions like, oh, did you guys not have the energy? No, I think that's a perfectly legitimate question. And I don't think that Dabo needs to be getting salty about that. Like, that's annoying. 
But you, I mean, you see where he's coming from. I think part of it is he's smart enough to not give locker room material for next year to a team that plays him tougher than probably anyone in conference every year, for the most part, the last four or five years. That's all well and good. I don't know what you're talking about with the PR stuff. Uh, Maybe he takes a class on how to impress people that aren't me. (laughs) But uh, I I just, I want to punch him in the face. I I can't stand that guy. Well, you want to punch him in the face because he's the Clemson head coach and because of everything he's done. And I, I don't, I don't, Think, think that you're wrong for hating him. Money. I don't think that at all. I'm just money. saying that you are predisposed to hating him. So nothing he could say will ever make you not want to punch him in the face. And I think proof of that is you wanting to name him an enemy of the podcast when he was actually kind of nice to us. Um, I don't. I, wow, I didn't know this became. Wow. Oh, this, this is a, like really went down a rabbit hole that I was not expecting. This has been the Dabo's fan club corner. Yeah. I'm I'm the one, I'm the one who's criticizing Dabo and everybody else here is, I mean, yeah, I guess if it's, if it's a fist fight uh, between Nick Saban and Dabo and I guess I'll, I'll cheer for Dabo, but uh, not, not many coaches I'll take to, to lose that battle over Nick Saban. I think Dabo is probably number two on my most hated list. I had a one, one last thought I wanted to share on, on this game. And that's, it's the first time we played in front of fans this year. And I don't know if that did have a difference, but it would make sense that that at least helps the players get up for the game and helps provide the energy, which you would think that the home team would draw from that advantage more so, but maybe that's part of it is that it kind of livened up our team instead of playing in the empty echoey carrier dome, which at least now there's an excuse because people aren't allowed in maybe having fans in the stands making noise and cheering against them was helpful in playing better than they have this year. So when we're allowed to, everyone needs to go to the dome. So it's not echoey and empty and the team will play better. The fans may have made it so that when the momentum swung, it was not coming back and you could feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Just the whole thing seemed to collapse on itself with five minutes left in the third quarter. You know, I was, I was like, because I was out in, in Norfolk with my, my aunt and, and a bunch of her friends this weekend and Kara, and everybody was like, wow, Sarah Cares is going to win. And I'm just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah. And, then, and then as soon as we were driving with the six-point deficit potentially, and I'm just like, okay, Syracuse could be ahead in the next minute. And as soon as I thought that, that's when everything came, wheels came off, that was it. All right, so yeah, it is your fault. That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm saying. Kevin, you sent a text that said we're playing them like equals about 30 seconds before Culpepper got his, you know, stuff rocked. No, but I was just talking about the approach of punting it on fourth and one instead of going for it and like actually playing this team not like we're looking for some miracle to win, but like we're actually an equal. That was the strategy. I wasn't saying we were going to win the game. I never said that. I think we can all agree that if anyone should be an enemy of the podcast this week, it's Kevin, because Kevin caused us to lose to Clemson, and it wasn't Dabo's fault at all. And and with that, I think that we we have to, to call the wrap. If you have the 1990 Lacrosse National Championship trophy, please tweet us a picture at 3ILPod, like us on Facebook, if that is your thing, and come back and listen to us next week. Write us a review. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, do all of those fun things and keep us going. Anyway, for Colin Lerner, Joe Shell, and potential enemy of the podcast, Kevin O'Keefe, 
I'm Brett Fortnum. We hope to be back next week. Thank <laughs> you.